On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We have over 13,000 hotel rooms in the metro and just about on every weekend, our hotels are running in the 90% occupancy levels. We are all missing the Iowa State Fair this year, but the economic impact of that loss goes far beyond the fairgrounds. The ongoing role of Congress and the federal government in providing financial support during the pandemic will be discussed, and you'll learn about a century-old, family-owned business based in Southwest Iowa. This is the Iowa Business Report for the fourth weekend of August, 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. This should be when we enjoy the final weekend of the Iowa State Fair, another casualty of the COVID-19 pandemic this year, but the loss goes far beyond blue ribbons, entertainment, and funnel cakes. Greg Edwards is CEO of Catch Des Moines, the entity responsible for enhancing convention and visitor experiences in Iowa's capital city. You know, Jeff, we um, last year put together an economic impact study on the Iowa State Fair, and the Iowa State Fair uh, brings in $110 million to our local economies. You're talking about people staying in our hotels, visiting our restaurants, shopping in our shopping centers, um, going to our local attractions. Just that dollar goes so many places during this 11 days of the Iowa State Fair. So it's a tremendous hit. And I know even if someone comes down for the day, they may have the fairgrounds as their destination point, but they're refueling. They may get a meal on the way in or out, as you say. And the number of people who come for multiple days or camp out and then are patronizing all sorts of shops, we just don't really realize how wide that circle is drawn. Yeah, that, that's so true. You know, we have over 13,000 hotel rooms in the metro and just about on every both weekends of the fair anyway, our hotels are running in the 90% occupancy levels. Um, during the middle of the week, they fade out a little bit. They still stay very strong. So, you know, it is showing us that people are staying primarily multiple days. And if you talk to some of our major attractions around Des Moines, Adventureland, our zoo, our science center, all Living History Farms, all these great attractions, They'll tell you that this 11 days of the Iowa State Fair are their biggest days as well, which people are kind of amazed at because they think, well, if people are going to the fair, why would they want to go to Adventureland? But people go to the fair and they, they spend a few hours there and then they want to do other stuff while they're in the metro. A few years ago, and it's interesting you say that a few years ago, I was having a conversation with someone about when to do a certain exhibit. And one person said, well, avoid the fair, and the other person said, no, that is exactly when you want to do it, because if, for example, there's a rainy day and you plan to be at the fair, well, you need something else to do, or to your point, you may be coming for the fair, but two or three days worth includes going to the shopping center to pick up school clothes for the kids or school supplies, going to some of the other things. It's your big trip to Des Moines, and that's just off the books this year, so it's hard to calculate how much of that you're going to actually lose, I bet. It, it really is. You know, it goes back to 
how many places that dollar goes, you know, and, and people should realize that it's not dollars going into my pocket or others. It, it also supports thousands of jobs, you know, not only the people that are working at the state fair, but the hospitality tourism industry in uh, Des Moines metro area supports about 26,000 jobs. Many of those folks are laid off right now and, and with not a lot of hope of coming back anytime soon. So, you know, it, it just has huge impact. Well, let's broaden it beyond the fair. You had a year full of various events. The last time we talked was around the time of the Iowa caucuses. That certainly was held in February, but it didn't take long. We got past the high school basketball and wrestling tournaments, and then your calendar got clear in a hurry. What are some of the things that come to mind in terms of tourism and events and conferences that just got wiped off the map, hoping that they can come back next year? Yeah, you know, you're so right. We started off the year just with a bang, you know. January's always been a pretty good month with a lot of the ag shows that we do here. Iowa Pork Producer, the big power farming show. Of course, then it went right into the Iowa Caucus, which was a huge success um, as far as economic impact. And then COVID hit, you know, the second week of March. And uh, to date now, we've lost 262 events, conventions, meetings, sporting events, etc. had had a huge, huge uh, toll on us and what we do. We've been scrambling, just trying to find, you know, anything. We've done a couple um, softball tournaments, a fairly good-sized basketball tournament this summer, but it's far and few between. And, you know, the big thing that's really affecting our economy is the business travel sector. You know, so many of the large corporations here have got a halt on business travel right now. Not expected to see any upturn in that till perhaps um, first quarter of next year, if in fact then. You know, it's it's taken a huge toll on the, on the whole economics of this state. In Des Moines, you get some halo from Iowa State University, whether it is from sporting events, Obviously, a football game that in a good year might bring 60,000 people in on a Saturday, and so you do get some benefit from that. The whole region does. That's just another layer of loss that you have to look to absorb, especially for some of your lodging and restaurant facilities. You better believe it. Yeah, you mentioned Iowa State, and Iowa State has a big toll on what happens here in Des Moines. The the football weekends and the hotels in Ames are all full, and we get a lot of the the overflow back down here in Des Moines. Um, another good example is the Iowa Speedway, which um, they have had a race or two, but with very limited capacity. And uh, the Iowa Speedway in Newton has huge impact on the Des Moines Metro as well. Although we saw some this summer, it's just not anywhere to the numbers that we used to have. So as your staff looks at how to generate more traffic, more interest in the Metro, Other than simply deleting things from the calendar, which is what you've had full-time work doing for the past six months, what can you do to either help preserve what's there for the rest of the third quarter and the fourth quarter this year and then getting into the next year? Is there anything much that you can do other than just continue working your plan for the future, hoping that at some point people will feel safe? Yeah, you know, we've we've set up multiple task force out there with meeting planners, sports planners, talking to them, finding out comfort levels when they're going to be ready to get back into the meeting, sports business, things like that. And it is a huge unknown. 
that's one thing. The other thing, it's kind of a catch-22 because there's still a lot of people within your cities where you live that say, hey, why are you bringing all these visitors in? You know, we don't need this outside stuff. We're saying for the economy, we need it. We got to get the economy going again. And they're saying, well, I don't know about bringing these outsiders in. Interesting, Jeff, that we hosted a, uh, it's called the Nike Tournament of Champions this summer, which was in July. It was scheduled to be in the McCormick Place in Chicago. They ended up, obviously, they couldn't meet in Illinois. So they actually selected four different cities across the country, and we were lucky to land one of those. This was a three-week event, and every Wednesday through Sunday for three weeks, we had roughly about 1,000 people coming into town. It was a girls' basketball tournament, eighth grade to through high school. A lot of families. I mean, there were people literally from all over the nation that were here. It was interesting. It was held at the Iowa Event Center. It was also held up at the Iowa Tech facilities up in Ames, Iowa. But it, but it was a great event. You know, we all you had to wear masks when you went into the building and things like that. But the players weren't wearing masks. And to date, I have not heard of anybody walking away with the COVID pandemic thing. So kind of fortunate. But and, and so we're always scrambling to try to find out what else might be out there that we can get to happen here. We are booking a lot of a lot of nice pieces of business for late 21 and especially in 2022 and 2023, you know, conventions and things like that. But uh, it's that short term stuff that we're still scrambling to try to find. Greg Edwards, CEO of Catch Des Moines, online at catchdesmoines.com. We spoke via Zoom this past Monday, August 17th. Still to come, more aid from D.C. And you'll meet the third generation of leadership for a Southwest Iowa manufacturer. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Though many Iowans have been working from home lately, Roughly 80% of Iowa's workforce has still been reporting for duty as normal. I'm Mike Ralston of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, inviting you to join me in thanking Iowa's manufacturers, healthcare workers, and first responders for their efforts during the pandemic. Working together, Iowa will be back soon, stronger than ever. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Congress is in the midst of its annual August recess, and lawmakers went back home with no agreement on additional financial support for those suffering from the economic impact of the coronavirus. I asked U.S. Senator Joni Ernst about the topic when we met in Waterloo on August 12th. It is very important that we are looking at this and measuring it against then the uh, the exchange that we would see in our economy. So what would the cost be if we had not supported with the CARES package? The cost to our economy, which would have been much more significant. Many more layoffs, um, many more uh, plant closures across the United States. We didn't want to see that. So the cost of that package was $3 trillion. Now, as we're looking ahead, 
what we are trying to do now that we are starting to come out of the pandemic, at least businesses are able to get up with certain modifications in place to make sure that their employees are safe, their customers are safe, but they can still engage in business. So we are seeing a little bit of a recovery out there. So we know that probably the needs moving forward may not be as significant. Now, what the Democrats have proposed is a $3.4 trillion spending package, much of it unrelated to COVID recovery. So what we have to do is get our economy back up and going, people actively participating through jobs in the economy, and then that's when we start to see that influx of revenue coming back in to uh, the federal government. That's really important. So as we move forward, though, we will have to scrutinize our budget and making, and I am a supporter of a balanced budget amendment. I think that's really important. Coming up, evolving, growing, and producing for more than a hundred years. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. In this week's business profile, we'll meet Mary Landheis, president of Lyle Corporation and EasyWay Incorporated, both based in Clorinda. For more than a century, efficiency, innovation, and growth have been the hallmarks of this family-operated business. Lyle Corporation was founded in 1903, and it is a family-owned and operated company, and it's based in Clorinda, Iowa, so in the southwest corner of the state. Lyle manufactures automotive specialty tools, as well as some machinist tools, and then we also have an OEM division that uh, makes a lot of magnetic drain plugs amongst uh, some other products as well. So I uh, have a variety of products under the Lyle umbrella. And as I mentioned, family owned and operated since 1903. I'm the great, great granddaughter from the original founder, C.A. Lyle, and I'm pleased to be a, have been a part of the company for going on 21 years now. So it's been a great experience. And we also have a sister company, EasyWay. EasyWay was acquired by Lyle, but it was set up as a sister company in 2003. And EasyWay is very different from Lyle in terms of the industry and the type of products they make. And EasyWay manufactures safe patient handling equipment, which are essentially medical devices that are sold in hospital uh, hospitals and nursing homes. So um, patient lifting equipment uh, to help the nurses transfer a patient from a bed to a wheelchair, wheelchair to a commode, et cetera, any type of patient movement. This is obviously a long period of time, and it mirrors the evolution of the automotive industry in the world over that same century. And so I can only imagine what kind of evolution the company has undergone in order to keep pace from a time when everything was mechanical to a time now where you need a computer to diagnose anything that's wrong with your car. Absolutely. You touched on something interesting there. When Lyle was first founded, uh, Lyle manufactured well drilling machines. They had a foundry and then also went on to make seasonal items that really complemented the farming industry. So they made cream separators, a product called a hog oiler. Don't know if you've ever heard of one of those. Uh, lawnmowers, but they also had an automotive dealership that was part of the company. And that's really where the tool business began, because obviously the 
Model T was invented in 1903. And, and when we started selling the cars, we noticed that the service shop was very busy. So they began developing tools to fix cars. So that's really led us to where we are today. And we try to develop between 20 and up to 40 new tools a year, um, have had a really strong experience with that. So new product innovation is a big part of what we do. How did your great-great-grandfather come upon the idea for the company? A lot of times someone devises something, invents something, and then they create the company. Is that what happened here? And it sounds like, regardless, he had quite a spirit of innovation and was very mechanically inclined. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, he was, he had done a, a variety of different things prior to founding Lyle Corporation. He had been a teacher and also was the editor of our local newspaper in Clorinda. Uh, but then there was an opportunity of a business that the founder, of course, that um, the owner there had been a fire and the owner wanted to sell the company. So it was really more of an opportunity for him to acquire the foundry and then determine what direction he wanted to take with it at that point. So obviously, again, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, he saw an opportunity and then was able to adapt it to fit many other needs and, and many other industries. Absolutely. That's exactly the case. And, and that's really a philosophy that we have tried to continue um, in terms of, you know, you think about the acquisition of the medical device company. We're always looking at new opportunities uh, to be able to add to either company and to our host of companies here. And so it's really, it's a company that when we're looking at acquisitions, we're looking at a company that is selling for the right reason, where we can bring manufacturing jobs and and do the manufacturing here in Clorinda, and really just a, a company that we can continue to help grow and prosper. When you do acquire another company, mm-hmm. you're doing so, as you say, you want to do it for the right reasons. It involves incorporating their culture, changing their culture, changing the way they do things. That's not a very easy thing at first, is it? No, it's not. Communication is a huge part of that process. And being very open and honest with people and letting them know, um, you know, really what the situation is when you're working on an acquisition too. If you don't, don't have trust with the people that you're working with and your staff will be working alongside, then it's really not going to be a positive situation. So that's a big part of what we do when we're looking at acquisitions and working through those with companies. And again, trying to merge cultures when People are used to doing things a certain way and they're suspicious about a new owner. So you could come in and simply say, we're not going to change a thing. You keep doing what you're doing, but they're still going to be suspicious about that until they get to know you. So again, that really requires a unique set of skills from a human resources standpoint. Absolutely. The the employee should and always will be number one. And again, that communication, I can't say enough to how vital that is for a successful acquisition, no matter where you bring them into your organization or you're maintaining the existing organization. We've really found that's been key. My family was involved in the auto dealership business, including repair. And so I can remember being a young boy and walking into the back shop and seeing this device I'd never seen before, but I thought it was cool because it said Jeepers Creepers on it. And little did I know that that came just a few miles away from Clorinda. Is that the most, I don't want to say recognizable brand that you produce or the most iconic brand, or is it the one that, again, every mechanic has heard of? It really is. And that's interesting you say that. We've developed and uh, continue to grow that line for years. And it continues to be one of the strongest selling products we have. 
here in Clorinda, we don't have a plastics division, but we work with another Iowa company, Agri-Industrial Plastics, to help manufacture that product. So it's great to be able to work with other Iowa companies and help them out while they help us out. So you've maintained the operation, expanded, but still on the same site as it was in 1903, as I understand it, still in Clorinda. What are some of the challenges that you face in trying to either operate at the current level or as you consider expanding and growing going forward? What are challenges that you have either because of the nature of the business or the location? You know, the challenge we have is certainly one that a lot of manufacturing organizations and companies in general in Iowa have, and that's workforce and attracting people here to the area if need be, and continuing to grow and develop the existing workforce here in Clorinda. Again, there are only so many people to go around, and you know, we know that if we can hire good people and bring them in, we can do what we can to train them to do the jobs that we have here on site. And really have also worked with an organization, Iowa Western has a program here in Clorinda that has really been key to our success for many, many years. They teach the skills there that we really need to have here in our organization. And that's been, again, a great partnership that we've had with them for quite some time. Mary Landheis, president of Lyle Corporation and Easyway Incorporated in Clorinda. We spoke via Zoom this past Monday, August 17th. More online at lylecorp.com. That's L-I-S-L-E-C-O-R-P. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.